Hello there. Welcome to episode 11 of 45 Not Out. You're at the podcast for sassy women aged 45 and over who are still very serious about work, life and everything else. In this episode, I've gone completely off-piste and I make no apologies whatsoever. As a business owner for my day job, I'm very aware that economically the UK is at a very dangerous stage. And once the government intervention that was introduced just after lockdown ends in October, the economy, already in recession, is likely to take a severe nosedive. And this will mean businesses folding and unfortunately job losses. Now this just doesn't affect the business world. This ebbs out to life as a whole and quite probably will affect the target audience of women aged 45 and over in some way, shape or form. And it's for this reason I've chosen to speak now to insolvency practitioner and quite frankly the perfect business expert Martin Williamson. Martin wears a number of hats. He's a very experienced insolvency practitioner himself and has had his own insolvency consultancy, IPD, for almost 20 years. He also has another very effective consultancy, Business Doctors, which he's had for just over a year. With all of this in mind, Martin's perfectly placed to give advice and tips on how to stay afloat during this rocky time. During the interview, Martin's depth of experience is crystal clear and he offers profound tips and advice to both business owners who might be fearful of the future and also what to do if you're an employee trying to hold on to your job. It was lovely to hear Martin speak so empathically about the possible scenarios that might occur in business and it's these along with some expert tips that will be easy to put in place and will work. But that's enough of me waffling on. Here's Martin and his pearls of advice and support. Hi there, welcome back to 45 Not Out. Good to have you back. This time, I'm speaking to Martin Williamson. Um, Martin's going to talk about running a business in these difficult times, very timely at the minute. And Martin here is to offer his expertise and tips to those of you, not just running your own business, but those that are in employment and sort of wanting to hold on to their job in the current climate. So welcome, Martin. Thank you for Thank being here. Thank you very here. much. Good, good to be here. Thank you for giving up your time. Now, mentioned that um, business growth and in, in particular as well um, on, on the insolvency side and having a good helicopter view on businesses. Um, yesterday, the government announced, announced a new arrangement to replace the job retention scheme. It, it's, uh, when we're speaking now, it's still very new. It was only um, announced yesterday. And I suppose really the full impact um, it may or may not have on the economy is still being thrashed through. But are you able just to give a, a brief overview of, of what the government announced yesterday? I can. Um, obviously, uh, summary at this stage, because the, the, the devil is always in the detail, uh, which will come out over the next week or two. But essentially, up to now, we've had um, 
essentially the furlough scheme where eligible employees um, could receive up to 80% or so of their wages um, back from the government um, through their employer. So that's obviously supported a lot of businesses in the last four or five months or so, but it's incredibly expensive scheme. So um, we cannot continue with, with that sort of level of support simply because it'll just damage the economy. As Rishi Sunak said yesterday, it, it's, it's also not particularly good that jobs are kept open simply because they're being funded by the government. The employer, i.e. the business, must be able to support itself, which will include the cost of employees. Now, obviously, at the moment, that's going to be extremely difficult because there are some sectors that are not allowed to open. There are some sectors that have difficulty staying open because of all the guidance, etc. But the job support scheme, the JSS, has been introduced to replace the furlough scheme. And essentially, it's to try and get um, employers in a position where they can at least provide part time work for their full time employees to avoid those full time employees being made redundant and being completely out of a job. Essentially, it boils down to, in round figures, the employee must do at least one third of their normal hours. Um, the employer, i.e. the business, will then pay around about 50 to 55% of those normal hours. And the government will top it up to um, a total of around about three quarters of their total wage. So the employee, uh, sorry, employer is going to be paying 50%, the government's going to be paying 25%. So it does support... Um, ongoing businesses with jobs that will last. Now, if it's a business where they're unlikely to last more than a few months for whatever reason, the economic conditions, the restrictions that are placed on them through COVID, um, safety, etc., then it is always going to fail. And it is one of those sad facts of the economic conditions at the moment that some employers, some businesses are going to fail, are going to close. Um, you wouldn't waste your money on things that you wouldn't have any use for as an individual, the government is taking a, a rather pragmatic, if tough, view that it will only support jobs that are likely to last. Now, where Mr Sunak has said uh, jobs are viable, he's not defined viable yet um, in terms of how long an employer is expected to last. Um, but I would suggest at this stage that it's at least three months to get in through to January, uh, maybe four months or so. Um, and hopefully over the next three to four months, the economic situation will settle down and people will be able to cope with it. But the JSS job support scheme is there to try and get reasonably healthy but struggling businesses through the next three to four months. Fabulous. Thank you. Very succinct. Um, it, it's good that they're doing that, Martin. But am I right in thinking that officially now we are in a recession right now? We, we are indeed. The recession is defined as two successive quarters of negative growth. Well, we hit that back in, I think it was July. Um, and the funny thing is, within my role as an insolvency practitioner, um, this is now my fifth recession within my career. Um, a lot of people are going to go, oh, my goodness. Um, but actually, yeah. All I can say is it does happen. We have these economic cycles. Um, and as a general comment, it will get better. It's going to be tough going through it, but it will get better. It's not a permanent state of affairs. Is it too early to say how long you think it'll last, Martin, or is it? <sighs> oh, that's the, almost a $64,000 question. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, that's fine. Don't worry. Um, <sighs> 
It's, it's the, the conditions at the moment are very similar to the 2008 crash. Uh, normally for most recessions, you'd have a run-up, um, 12 to 18 months of gradually worsening economic conditions. Um, three, two to three years of bumping along the bottom and then two to three years climb out. So you're talking five or six years, shall we say, of, an, of a recessionary cycle. 2008, with the credit crunch and the collapse then, saw us drop off a cliff within a couple of months. Um, the current recession, because of COVID, has seen us drop off a cliff in a number of days, effectively. Uh, lockdown, I think we had a few days notice of lockdown. Um, it was mentioned in the news for a few weeks before it actually happened, but the date was set and then I think we had less than a week notice before effectively the UK economy was turned off. So we, we have dropped off a cliff. Um, so if you think about the, a graph, you'd, 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 you'd have an upside down bell if you like. You'd go gradually into it along the bottom, come back up again. This time we've dropped down in a straight line. We are now right along the bottom at the moment with no real prospect of determining how long it's going to last. Um, because the biggest impact on the length of this recession will be the level of and severity of the COVID restrictions on how businesses can operate. And right now it changes week to week. So forward planning um, for any length of time is extremely difficult and it's really, really short term um, to try and cope with things at the moment. You, met, you mentioned all the vagaries of the pandemic and um, like in the summer, um, those in the hospitality industry sort of, and we were encouraged to go out and make hay while the sun shines and now that's being brought back in. Um, is it... Is there anything you can advise, well, not, not just people in the um, hospitality sector and events sector, but is there anything you can generically advise business owners to do? Or is it because it's such an unknown quantity at the minute? Mm, yeah, it's, it is very much unknown. But generally speaking, you can't rely, have one iron in the fire, if, if, if I can put it that way. What I would suggest to people is they think of two or three what if scenarios. So what if this happens? What if that happens? What if the other happens? And think about for each of those scenarios, okay, what if, um, let's take an example, um, the rule of six was expanded again for some reason. So that would mean pubs could probably open um, to more people. They could probably get more people in. Uh, hospitality could probably benefit. Um, all sorts of things. Okay, so what if we went back up to 30 people? How would my business cope with that sort of situation and those circumstances? And just have two, three, four one-liners of thoughts about what you would need to do in that sort of, that sort of situation. Another what if is, okay, what if it gets worse? What if we have a full domestic lockdown. I'm not talking about a general national lockdown where everything closes, but where businesses stay open, but you have a full domestic lockdown. How will that affect um, your business? So for example, if you can't travel on public transport, how will your employees get home, uh, get to and from work? Have you still got robust systems in place for working from home or working remotely? If you haven't, what do you think you need? So think through, use your imagination, get really, really wacky about it if necessary. Um, obviously tinge it with a bit of uh, uh, common sense but just think about what if this what if that what if the other and have a very very rough outline plan of what you might do in those situations you can have more than three um, personally I've got about five
just in case. Great, great that, Martin. And I suppose really where we are now, business owners to a degree have the luxury of time that they can probably do that planning. Um, I mean, you know, sort of while we're, people, you know, it's not an absolute um situation where people you know sort of running around trying to get business so there is a little bit of business going on so you would advise taking that time out and just as you say maybe maybe pulling a team in you know sort of a bit of a brainstorming session um you know oh, yeah yeah bring employees I mean, in you, you often find that if you've got I, I, I refer to it as an internal team and an external team the internal team will be you as a business owner your managers your employees however large that team might be it might be one or two employees it could be 100 or 200 employees so that internal team if you can get as many people together as possible as you say do a brainstorming session you would be surprised what ideas might come out that you've never thought of yourself um, as a business owner you are not omnipotent you are not god um, a lot of people think they might be but they're not um, you are human. You, you're struggling to cope with this, just like every other person of the 60s, whatever it is, million people in the country. Um, and you'll be stressed. You'll be worried. Um, you might have been staring at the 3 a.m. pit um, in, uh, at sometimes. It's very, very dark at that time of night. And you're thinking, what on earth can I do? Get other people on board. Get their support. Get their ideas. Chat it through. A lot of the stuff that might come out would not be appropriate, but it does two things. It gives you additional resources to draw on in terms of other people's ideas. And it also involves your internal team. You're, you're, you're not an island as a business owner. Um, you have people around you, you have employees that are relying on you to do the right thing. And if you include them in the planning and the ideas to do the right thing, you will be surprised how much more energy and enthusiasm and cooperation and effort your internal team, your employees will put into helping you get through this crisis. Um, we do a lot with staff engagement um, in terms of making sure that everybody's on board, understand strategy, where we're going, what we're doing, um, who's doing what. Um, and in times of crisis, people are very much like children. If they know what their boundaries are, they're very, very happy to work within those boundaries and put as much energy as they want. But if they have no boundaries, they have no guidance, they have no idea where they can go. So include your team, include that internal team. Fabulous advice, fabulous advice. And, and like you say, and then when we get to the other side of this, you've got a very engaged team that you can go you on and make the most of the growth opportunities that are there. The, listening to this, Martin, there will be... I would imagine a number of people that are probably fairly new business owners um, haven't been through a recession before. Yeah. So what are the early signs? What are the red flags that new business owners should be looking out for? Right. There is only two or three that they need to be looking out for. One stems around your cash flow. So the amount of money that's coming in, the amount of money that's going out. Um, I always suggest to um, my potential insolvency clients that they monitor this on a regular basis. Uh, people say, oh, what, once a quarter, once a month? No, daily, every single day, particularly at the moment because the economic conditions are very difficult. You don't know what's gonna be coming through the pipeline in terms of new clients. You don't know what sales you're making, whether or not they're gonna be actually paid on time. 
So if you're not in a, a business where you're either cash or you paid before you do the work, if you're on a credit basis, you may extend 30 days credit, 60 days credit. But in 30 days time, is your customer still going to be there? Are they still going to be able to pay? In 60 days time, are they still going to be able to pay? So keep an eye on your cash flow. And to do that, you need to keep your paper records or your financial records up to date on a daily basis. It is a pain in the backside, to be quite honest, for most people. They're not trained as accountants or financial people or anything else. But get yourself a decent set or a decent um, piece of software. Um, Zero, Sage, Free Agents, um, other software packages are, of course, available, <laughs> as they say. Um, but one that's easy enough to use. And the first half hour of every day, just update everything. Gather all your bits and pieces of paper together, gather your emails together, pop your invoices in there that you've made for sales, give them a date when they're supposed to be paid, um, put all your invoices in in terms of what you've got to pay out, put all your standing orders in there, and your software will show you on a daily basis the day-to-day -day financial position of your company. You can get very sophisticated and look at cash flow forecasts, etc. but for most people, so long as you know what's there and you're tracking your debtors, i.e. The, the money that's owed to you, um, you can keep an eye on what your cash flow is going to be. So that's step number one. Uh, step number two is try not to worry too much. Now, that might be a strange thing to say, but worrying about it saps a lot of your mental energy, takes up a lot of headspace doesn't leave you room to react to things, to uh, be creative about how you're going to manage things. Um, and number three is, if you need help, ask for it. Do not ever be afraid of going to another business owner. Someone who's been in business for a number of years may well have been through this sort of situation or a similar situation. Tap them up, ask them, how did you cope? Again, you'd be surprised how much people will tell you. Um, <laughs> I sometimes find it's, it's a bit of an ego thing. I've survived the last recession. I want to tell everybody about it. And this is what I did. And you can pick up a lot of little hints and tips. Um, speak to your accountant. Speak to your solicitor. Speak to friends who may, have, may well be in business if they're not in the same business as you. But in particular, try and find someone who is not a direct competitor in the same sector that you're in say someone a lot bigger that you'd never be a competitor to and just say, look, I'm looking for a bit of help. Can you help me out? And be a little bit vulnerable, be a bit human and, and admit this. Everybody is in the same boat. Um, the fact that they're a much bigger company or a much bigger business just means they've got much bigger problems to cope with, but they'll be the same problems that you as a smaller business owner is coping with. So get your financial records up to date. Um, try not to worry and try and find someone that you can chat through as a sort of semi-mentor, what your problems are. Fabulous, brilliant advice that, Martin. I, I could have done with you when I set my business up five years ago. But... And then the other as side- I was just gonna say, as it's, as it's the fifth, fifth recession, I've been through it, there's various <laughs> things you can do to cope. And, and I've got to keep, keep saying it does get better. Mm. It does get better, so keep cracking on. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. No, it's fine. It's fine. What I was going to say is if we could look at the other side of the coin, not hmm. everybody listening to this will have their own business. There will be employees that are sat yeah. there, maybe seeing things that are going on in the office that are giving them worries that maybe the company is suffering financially because 
it's a long time since I've had a job. I'll hold my hand up. I've been self-employed forever. But is it not the thing that business owners, directors, they're not always that transparent when it comes to the financial side of the business? And the first thing you know about it is when a member of staff is made redundant. Yes, um, it, it's, it's human nature to a, lot, to a large extent, that, that sort of situation is. Um, joking aside in terms of someone who's been fraudulent or, or done something naughty with the business, generally speaking, um, a lot of business owners are reluctant to own up to the fact that their business might be struggling financially because they feel like it's a failure. It's a failure on their part. They're the business owner. They're the people responsible for running everything. Um, and they don't want to admit to anybody, even their employees, that they've, they've potentially failed at their business. But as an employee, you're often closer to the coalface, if I can put it that way, than, than a business owner. You know what's happening day to day. Um, your role might be chasing customers up for payments. And if those customers are saying to you, oh, yeah, we should be able to pay it, then that might be a little bit of a small red flag. If it's a, yeah, we've done it, it's on the payment run, yeah, no problem. Oh, no, I'm not sure whether we'll actually hit that payment date. You should be communicating these things back up the line as an employer, uh, sorry, as an employee um, to flag it up with, um, with the boss, the director. Um, and also, all I would do to em, for employees is simply encourage a conversation with your line manager, with your director, however you're structured. Um, particularly for small businesses, you might have a small team of three or four people, and then there's the, the boss, the director, the business owner. Um, grab a cup of coffee. Just say, Mike, I'm a little bit worried about this because of X, Y, Z. Did you know about it? And if he says, yeah, I did, it says, what's going to happen now then? Are we okay? If you're worried about something, go and express that worry to your boss. Um, it can be difficult, depending upon your relationship with the business owner, um, but you would kick yourself if you didn't raise something that you thought might be a worry um, that the, the boss didn't know about. Um, or if it's a worry for you, but it's not a worry for him or her, as the business owner, um, because they know about it, they've got it covered, they can explain that to you as an employee and put your mind at rest. It's all essentially about communication, up and down the line, depending on what level you are in the internal team. So yeah, I just encourage you just to have, have conversations. Don't make it confrontational, don't make it negative, just have a little conversation and say, do you, do you know about this? How about this? What are we doing about so-and-so? just a normal conversation and see what comes out fabulous advice martin and i mean as well just um thinking about that it might be just um from the business owner's point of view that they're not aware that members of staff are having these qualms so yeah ex exactly that, that i mean a, we a well-structured business will mean that the business owner isn't in touch with the day-to-day -day things um, they will be concentrating on the strategy side, on, on the, the planning side, on the direction of, of the business is going. And they would have employed competent, well-trained people to actually do the day-to-day -day mechanics and activities of the company. So they may not know what there's a problem in the pipeline with a customer not being able to pay on time. Um, and unless you're, you're, you're actually talking to them about this, they won't know about it and they won't be able to change their plans. So, yeah, a lot of business owners are intimately involved with the day-to-day -day stuff, but a lot of business are also not involved with the day-to-day -day stuff. So 
it depends on, on which business you're, you're operating in. Yeah, fabulous. So if, if we were to take the worst case situation and you are an employee and the company that you're working for does go into liquidation, what, what are your rights as an employee? Um, they're not bad, actually, to be quite honest. Um, the legislation um, is the em employee protection I can't remember the exact name now, but I've done it for so many years, I've just forgot what, you know what it's like. Um, but there is legislation in place to protect the rights of an employee in terms of uh, lost earnings or what they are due. There's, there's four things that an employee can claim for if their employer goes bump, goes into liquidation, etc. The first is arrears of wages. So if you've worked a certain amount of time and not been paid the wages for the time you've worked, you can claim that back. There's then holiday pay that you would be entitled to. So if you have, a, uh, I don't know, for example, 28 days holiday every year, you're halfway through the year, so you're entitled to 14 days. You've had a week of those, so five, so you're, you're still due another nine days of holiday. You can claim to be paid for those nine days of holiday, so you're not going to be said. You can also get um, pay in lieu of notice. So most people, if they're leaving a job, they would work a notice period, whether it's a few weeks, a month, three months, whatever. But whatever your statutory notice period or your contractual notice period is, um, you can claim for the amount of time that you weren't able to work that notice. So very often when I'm dealing with a company that, that closes down because it's got to go into liquidation, the employees get a day or two notice that they're going to be out of a job. Um, then I've had an inkling beforehand because let's face it, they're on the coal face, they know what's going on. Um, but the formal redundancy process can often come within a day or so. So they'll be to told um, maybe on a Monday, sorry, you're out of work on Wednesday, or they may even be told on a Friday morning at the end of today, so Friday afternoon, you're out of a job. You are entitled to that notice period, so you can claim for that. The, the, the fourth one then is redundancy entitlement. Uh, you have to be doing, let's get this right, a minimum of 16 hours a week uh, to qualify for it, and you have to be employed with the same employer for a minimum of two years before you, can, you, you accrue redundancy rights. And generally speaking, the statutory is one week um, entitlement for every completed year of service. So if you've done two years and one day, you get two weeks. If you get three years, you get three weeks, up to a maximum of 12 weeks. Now, there's various um, uh, limits on those. I don't keep track of them because they, they uh, change every year. I have to look them up, I've got to be honest. Um, but generally speaking, you can claim for a of wages, holiday pay, Pain lieu notice and redundancy. And if you've been in your job for quite a long time, that redundancy can be quite sizable. Um, there have been companies that I've done in the past where individual employees have been there for 30 odd years. Um, doesn't happen very often these days, but it has happened in the past. And I can distinctly remember one guy got a payout for his redundancy of over 60,000 pounds. So Gosh. it can be quite beneficial, um, but obviously not having a job is obviously the downside. But there are quite a few uh, protections in place in legislation for employees if they are in the unfortunate position that they get made redundant because their employer goes bump. Fabulous. Great to hear. Um, yeah. Like you say, these days, employees really looked after. Now, from speaking to you, Martin, and the fact that you've been through five recessions, it's clear, <laughs> highly experienced, but 
getting into an if I may, asking you sort of about how you got into insolvency, because it's a very, di- <laughs> well, it, it, it's a very distinct sector and it's quite perverse, isn't it? Because when the economy's booming, insolvency is quiet, but when we're not doing so well and in recession, ins- mm. insolvency practitioners run around like he- headless chickens. They, they do. It's, it's funny, actually, through, throughout, the, I mean, I've been insolvency, I've been, done insolvency and business recovery work now for 34 years. Um, and you generally find that in when the general economy is good, I'm still relatively busy because there will be some businesses that start that would never survive. The, the idea behind it was wrong or the person didn't have the skills on it or something drastic happens that they weren't expecting, um, never planned for it, probably never could have planned for it. And it just knocks them for six. Uh, clearly, in a recessionary period, it's a lot more difficult. Um, and insolvency practitioners tend to be exceptionally busy for all sorts of reasons. So it's one of those things that, if, from, from my point of view, every silver lining has a cloud. Um, so my silver lining is obviously I, I, I've made a profession of it um, out, of, out of a cloud of some ongoing bump. But it's funny how I got into it. Um, uh, what I, my dream job when I grew up, uh, when I was a little boy, was either going to be an accountant, uh, a computer programmer, or a spaceman. Now, spaceman, yeah, not, not really going to happen, but you know what you like when you're 14, 15. Um, I finished my A-levels on a Friday, and then through a friend of a friend, I started work at a small accountancy practice in Birmingham. Um, and I lasted a whole six months because I was bored stupid, just doing straight accountancy. No disrespect whatsoever to accountants. They are fantastic professionals. The job they do, a lot of businesses could not survive without them. Um, but for me, it, it was, it was a, 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 the, the dream had gone, or, or, the, or the bubble had gone pop. I could not do straight accounting. But I love numbers. I love working with people. And my career progression ended up that I, by accident, I fell into something called the official receiver's office. Now, the official receiver's office is the government side of insolvency work that deals with the courts and the individuals who go bankrupt and the businesses that go and the companies that go bump through the courts, through winded up orders. Um, I found it absolutely fascinating because it ticks a load of boxes for me. Numbers, uh, dealing with people, because obviously individuals, um, dealing with houses and, and their, their credit cards and then the directors and the creditors who don't get paid, etc. Um, and it also allowed me to work within a framework, which is the Insolvency Act. And the Insolvency Act is very, very wide ranging, which gives me, as a liquidator or an administrator, a lot of powers to do things and a lot of options to exercise with the company. But I then progressed from there because it was the civil service, um, which is not exactly the most dynamic of employers, if I can put it that way. Um, I then progressed through private practice through um, RMS, one of the top 10 accountancy firms, through to Deloitte's, then Deloitte's to PricewaterhouseCoopers. I ran a small insolvency office up in Stoke-on-Trent, which is where I'm, I'm based now. And then in 2002, I decided to start my own practice as an independent insolvency practitioner and never looked back since. Absolutely love it. Uh, you said earlier that you've been self-employed for a long time. I'm pretty sure that I'm now unemployable. <laughs> um, because I just could not, could not pull up with having a boss now. Really couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's yeah. I'd, I'd I'd reiterate that. That's like if you spend any time, any length of time freelance, 
um i mean any, anybody freelance you you'll know martin it, it, it's um feast and famine isn't it and and it, as it, it is I mean, one of, the, one of the downsides of being a business owner is that it can get exceptionally lonely at the top. Um, you've got, there's a distance often between you and the people that you employ, um, which is why I was going on about earlier, make sure you keep those communication lines open. Um, but the other half, my other half, doesn't get involved with my business. Um, so she very rarely knows what problems are going on. And I'll come home and I'll moan about this and I'll moan about that and I'll get a blank look from her. Um, quite understandably, I have no, no problem with that, um, but there's very few people that you can chat to problems about. Um, if you're stuck there with a problem and you don't know what to do, it's, it can be very, very lonely. Um, it can be very difficult coping with things, but it can also be extremely satisfying. You can do what you want, when you want, with who you want, how you want. Um, you can set your own policies on what you do. You can choose your clients. You can choose what you charge for your clients. Um, you're not stuck within a big organization being doing what you're told to do. There is a huge amount of flexibility. But for all those business owners out there, if you feel lonely, you're not on your own. It's normal. Um, and having run my own practice now since, as I say, 2002, so like 18 years. And I have a second business as well now for my sins. Um, and I'm just working on a third business because I can, um, then yeah, don't be afraid of the fact that occasionally you will look at that pit at 3am in the morning and you will feel a little bit lonely, but make sure that you, you're enjoying yourself, that you do have other people to chat to. Um, even if it's uh, your other half who may not have a clue what you're doing, but they're there to support you and try and find other business owners that um, you can have that chat with as well. Yeah. So in other words, find your tribe. Yes, basically. Yeah. Great yeah. advice. Great advice. Now, gone over your um, career history there, Martin. Thank you for that. But um, yeah. one of the signature um, questions of this podcast, and it's 100% cheesy, but um, it does go down quite well. It's just like, if you could go back to your younger self when you first started work, either after the disastrous spell at the accountants and you entered the official receiver, what, what kind of advice would you give yourself if you could go back to your younger self? <laughs> right, okay. Uh, probably two things. Uh, one is you are a long time doing what you do for a job. So you could be doing it as, as I've done for 30 odd years. Pick something that you enjoy doing. Okay. Um, my children are currently going through their university careers. Um, in particular, the girlfriend of my son is completely freaking out about how she's going to get through university and what she's going to do afterwards. And I say, look, you're 18 and she, well, she's almost, almost 19. You're 18, I'm 53. Um, there's a big difference between us, and I know in the long run, things will work out if you work hard and you're sensible. So you're going to be doing it. You are going to be doing working hard. Make sure you pick something that you enjoy doing. Now, this is one of the reasons why I got out of the accountancy practice. I hated it, but I love the insolvency work, the, the, the variety and the people and the, the, the problem solving and, and the fact that someone comes into my office with a really, really long face, almost in tears. And an hour to an hour and a half later, quite often they're going out with a bit of a smile on the face 
because they know there's there's a solution to that problem and that's down to me and i get immense satisfaction out of it so whatever you're going to do make sure it's something that you enjoy doing the other little piece of advice is don't sweat the small stuff just do not worry if you have a bad day excuse me for saying this on a podcast sod it tomorrow is another day um try and get your best best night's sleep and start again reset don't worry if something happens there is always a solution to something you may not always like the solution but there is always a solution there is always a way out of a problem so don't sweat the small stuff enjoy what you're doing and make loads of money <laughs> <laughs> well it's hoped that if you do the two suggestions the third will be a natural yes be a natural um reaction anyway that you yeah. know you're happy you're productive you're engaged and gr growing it and then the money come money always seems yeah. to come doesn't it it, it, it will you, you do well at what you do you meet your clients needs you get on well with your clients they will pay for what you do mm. um mm. so just always keep that in mind but yeah mm. enjoy what you do work hard don't sweat the small stuff that's absolutely brilliant, Martin. I mean, I would imagine there'll be a lot of listeners that have got so much out of that. I know I've got stuff out of that. So thank you for your time and your... No problem at all. Um, ...giving it up. So, yeah, thank you very much, Martin. Take care. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye-bye. So there you have it awesome advice and support from Martin. I hope there was something in there that's resonated with you. My sincere thanks go to him for sparing the time to speak to me and to freely give some really useful advice. If there's anyone out there that thinks a chat to him would be useful for them in their business or otherwise, I've included a link to both his insolvency practice, IPD, and his other business, Business Doctors, both of these are in the episode notes. So all that remains for me to do is to thank you for listening and loyally coming back to 45 Not Out for each episode. I hope that you stay safe, well and buoyant in these difficult times. And as Martin says, if not, don't be afraid to ask for help. Take care till next time.